as the future, that's up for grabs. Anyone who wants to can alter future history. We're just one radio station, but we have a vital message that is changing lives, altering destinies, writing history. When you become a part of the team, you join with our efforts. So contact us and find out how you can begin giving to this ministry each month. And you'll be joining us in making history. Mr. Gorbachev. Tear down this wall. Thanks for your financial support in helping us make history. Tell your friends about Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Good news and Christian talk on KKXX Paradise, K283AR Chico, and K280GL Chico. Celebrating over 50 years broadcasting to the North Valley on AM 930, and now the new FM 103.9. This is KKXX Life Radio. Chico, Christian Radio. Hi, Paul at the Drop here. You know, I've been all around this planet, and I've seen all kinds of water. But I couldn't wait to get back to my place at Mount Shasta. Back to the best-tasting water. In case you didn't know, it comes from a protected spring at the base of Mount Shasta, and it's bottled right at the source. So it's like we're delivering the whole mountain right to your door. But it's just the water. Call 1-800-922-6227. That's 1-800-922-6227. Pure and simple. Naturally, the best. Mount Shasta Spring Water. I love the details of Luke. As a doctor, he cared for those things, but little things. In verse 15, it's just kind of precious, the last phrase. He presented him to his mother. I just love that. A mother's heart was relieved because Jesus cared about her. Just that little extra touch. The boy is there talking like a, you know, motor mouth. He's going, he's obviously alive. Everybody's amazed. But a little official deal here that I just love. The Lord Jesus takes the boy and presents him to his mother. Don't you love that? is Hope for Today with David Hawking. In today's continued exploration of Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17, David wraps up his look at the astonishing moment when Jesus resurrected a widow's son in the town of Nain. This extraordinary display not only showcased Jesus' mastery over life and death, but also unveiled his divine essence and the immeasurable compassion he holds for those facing unspeakable grief and suffering. And just before we begin, Matt and I have a listener letter. Matt? This is from Maggie, and I I love it. What a special letter this is, Maggie. Uh, She says, I keep Pastor David and everyone at the Hope for Today ministry in my daily prayer. God bless you in Christ Maggie. You know, and, and Jim, I tell you, that touched me so hard because that's what we're to do anyway is pray. I like to read these to my dad, and he just um, appreciates the prayer. Yeah. Keep praying for him. Keep praying for everybody here at Hope for Day because we are praying for you too. 
Yeah, as folks will recall that uh, your dad had back surgery a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, and it's been a long, long recovery, uh, and it's yeah. frustrating. He he would like to be done with the recovery, <laughs> yeah. but folks, continue to pray for David. It's yeah. just an ongoing condition, and Maggie, thank you for praying for David and all of us here at Hope for Today. Right now, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 7, and here's David with day two of A Mother and the Touch of Jesus. There is a reason why the Bible mentions in verse 11 and 12 that a large crowd was there. A large crowd of disciples, a large crowd, verse 12, from the city was with her. And whenever the Bible says a large crowd, it means there's a lot of people. You say, hey, that sounds silly. I know some people will read a crowd and think there's 10 people there. There are a lot of people here. And it sets up the stage for what the Lord is going to do. Jesus literally wanted to do this in front of a lot of people. He wanted a a host of people to see not only his power, but to see his compassion for one individual. And I point that out to you because sometimes you read the Gospels and it says, he saw the multitudes and was moved with compassion. But then you'll read, he saw one person and was moved with compassion. And in the middle of all of this crowd, he gives attention to that one woman, a funeral procession going by. You know what you were supposed to do, especially if you're a stranger walking into town? You stand back and let the whole thing go, and you don't say anything. You be quiet. You show your respect, and they go on by. It appears from the grammar of the New Testament in verses 11 and 12, that what actually happened was the large crowd of disciples confronted the large crowd of the funeral procession and Jesus was standing right in front of them. He did not move. The grammar seems to suggest an actual confrontation of the two crowds. And instead of the normal practice, the crowd moving aside, letting a few, Jesus stop. He is obviously in control. And there's something he definitely wants to do in front of all of these crowds. I like that. Sometimes I can sit in a meeting with a lot of people and feel insignificant. But the Lord Jesus sees the crowd as well as the individual. And he is there to answer. Let's look at the results of the touch of Jesus. Verse 13, when the Lord saw her, the Bible says he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. I'm going to do something special. There's no reason for you to cry. Here she is crying her heart out. There are several words for weep. And this one is the the pouring out of the heart where you're overwhelmed with grief. You can't control it anymore. The woman has lost control. And she's just pouring out her heart. And Jesus saying, stop. I'm going to do something. I just want you to stop crying. I'm going to do something for you. The first result that I see of the touch of Jesus is that the Lord's compassion is revealed to all of us. It's interesting when you read that word compassion, what do you see in that word? It's a very unusual word. I love to say it. Just say the Greek word in English because it kind of represents the word. A splachnikos. Amen? Didn't that bless you? Huh? Really get to you right here? Well, that's talking about the intestines. That's what it's talking about. Uh, In the the Hebrew idea, uh, it's the idea of deep-rooted. We would say, and excuse the crassness, but we say gut feeling. You ache down so deep. You you care so much. You're aching in your heart. Another interesting usage. You know, the Roman soldiers mastered a two-edged sword. And one of the things the Romans learned to do using their shield is to 
put that sword into that soft spot right underneath your rib cage in your heart. And so if they could get that into the person, then they'd bring that other hand up there and they'd bring both hands straight into the heart and kill the person instantaneously. Splotnikos. Interesting, isn't it? I just want you not to run away from something. The Lord's compassion and concern for you is so deep that it's as though his heart was being torn apart for you. I sat there and I read that over and over again. Let me give you some examples. Turn back to Matthew chapter 9 and look at verse 36. This story about Jesus touching that boy, raising him, touching that coffin, and raising that boy from the dead certainly reveals the compassion of Christ. There's no doubt about it. And Luke makes sure we understand it. When the Lord saw her, he saw that woman grieving. He had compassion on her. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, when he saw the multitudes, here it is, many people, not one. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Same word. He's being torn up in his heart because they are weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Compassion. Do we have it when we see the multitudes? Turn please to chapter 14 and look at verse 14. Matthew 14, verse 14. When Jesus went out, the Bible says he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion. There it is again for them and healed their sick. In this case, all these people are bringing sick folks to him and he's moved with compassion and he heals them. Interesting what you read. Turn to chapter 15 and look at verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days, have nothing to eat, and I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. Here the multitudes with three days they haven't eat, uh, eaten. And the Bible says Jesus had compassion on them. He cared about a simple need. Is there some need in your life right now? You say, oh, I don't want to talk to the Lord about that. It, it's, just a, it's just a little deal. Hey, there is nothing too small for the Lord to hear about. The Lord's compassion is fantastic. He cares. Look at chapter 20 of Matthew, verse 34. Chapter 20, verse 34. This is two blind men who cried out, have mercy on us. Open our eyes and look at verse 34. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. You know, behind the marvelous works of Christ and his words is his great compassion. I mean, you may hear a thousand things this week that are contrary to that, and people may really not show you love, but listen, God loves you. The Father pities his children, says Psalm 103. He knows all about us, and he has compassion. He cares about you. He knows a sparrow that falls from the tree. He knows every hair of your head. He knows everything you're going through and all the struggles you've got right now. Listen, our Lord has compassion, people. He cares what you're going through so much. His heart is hurting for people. That's what the Bible teaches. And I praise God for it. Turn back to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. I just want to emphasize to you about how the Lord knows your tears. He told this woman, you know, stop weeping. And here her heart is breaking. She's lost her only son. He's dead. And her heart is crying out. And there are so many situations in life where this happens to us. 
As something comes into our experience, it causes our hearts to break and we start crying. And if you're not going through that now, you're probably saying, hey, yeah, I guess somebody needs it. But let me tell you something, given enough time, we all go through that. And God will bring something into our lives that causes our hearts to almost break. And we wonder if the Lord really cares and he understands. We feel sometimes guilty for our tears and how brokenhearted we feel inside. There are people with all kinds of hurts and needs, and some who don't have them. Great, if you don't have them, then we need you to minister to those who do. This is very important to understand. In Psalm 34, 6, it says, This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Do you wonder if the Lord hears? Verse 15, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. Don't rebuke people for crying. Verse 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Flip over to chapter 61. Chapter 61, look at verse 1. Many people feel embarrassed about their crying and their tears and how they feel about things in life. In Psalm 61, 1, hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, you ever been in that position? Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Chapter 62, verse 8, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Boy, how true that is. Let's come back to Luke chapter 7. The results of the touch of Jesus were first and most importantly, as Luke emphasizes it in his text, that the Lord's compassion was revealed. But the second thing is clear in verse 14, and that is that the Lord's power was reinforced to everyone. This is the first time he ever raised anybody from the dead, as we said earlier. Look at Luke 7, 14. He came and touched the open coffin. Now, folks, that's not a coffin like we have. It's probably a little mat in which you carry the body. The Jews did not use coffins normally like we'd use today, or sarcophagi. Probably a little mat of some sort of wrapping that they wrapped the body in and were carrying it. Jesus came up and touched it. Now, he risked quite a bit there because touching a dead body or even the coffin of a dead body makes that person ceremonially unclean. That's another thing that amazes me about the Lord is how often he touched that which society said was unclean. But the Lord's compassion was revealed and his power was reinforced as he simply touched that coffin and said to that young man, I say to you, arise. Again, the power of his word. Luke emphasizes continually in his gospel the power of the spoken word of Jesus. Look back to chapter 7, verse 7 again. You remember that? The centurion? In our last message, it said, Therefore I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant would, would be healed. And now Luke gives you another illustration of it. He just said, Young man, arise. And the kid sat up, and Luke makes sure you understand he was really alive. He says he began to speak. He began to talk. And the Lord Jesus presented him to his mother. So not only was the Lord's power reinforced to everybody to understand the power of his word, what he could do, one spoken word, and he could heal that person. 
but also a boy's life was restored. And I'll tell you, one day, the Bible says, all who are in the graves shall hear his voice, one spoken word, and they will all come forth. That's what the Bible says in John 5. You say, how can I become a Christian? By simply believing the word of Jesus Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word is powerful, quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to do the job. You trust God's word. You believe what God says, and the word can make you whole. A boy's life is restored. One other thing, when he presented her back, I love the details of Luke. As a doctor, he cared for those things, but little things. In verse 15, it's just kind of precious, the last phrase. He presented him to his mother. And I just love that. A mother's heart was relieved because Jesus cared about her. Just that little extra touch. The boy is there talking like a, you know, motor mouth. He's going, he's obviously alive. Everybody's amazed. But a little official deal here that I just love. The Lord Jesus takes the boy and presents him to his mother. Don't you love that? There's a touch there that tells me a lot about our Lord and how he cares for us. And that mother's heart was relieved. Well, let's look at the response to the touch of Jesus in verse 16 and 17. First of all, they react with fear. Verse 16, then fear came upon all. And you can understand why. And secondly, they did respond with some worship. It says they glorified God. I mean, obviously, God did this. They saw a resurrection right in front of their eyes. But the thing that interested me is they began to recognize the plan of God a little bit. In verse 16, it said, A great prophet has risen up among us. Why did they say that? Why did they say that he is a great prophet who's risen up? I think if you're Jewish, there's no question. They were thinking of Elijah and Elisha. Do you remember that Elijah in 1 Kings 17 did that same thing, raised a boy from the dead, revived him. But Elijah had to call upon the Lord and pray earnestly. Elisha also did the exact same thing. Israel's two greatest prophets, Elijah and Elisha. Elisha did the same thing in 2 Kings 4, 32 to 37. And both of these great prophets prayed like crazy and trusted God, cried out to the Lord, and God performed a miracle. Here, Jesus does not need to pray. Did you notice that? He didn't need to pray at all. Didn't need to cry to the Lord at all. He just said it. Young man, I say to you, arise. He who was dead stood up. And they said, a great prophet has risen. But there was a notable difference. This man had the power to do it himself and didn't even need to call upon God. Interesting. Who is he really? And then in verse 16, it says, God has visited his people. And they were thinking there of the deliverer. God is announcing the deliverer. And perhaps this is the prophet who will announce him. There's no belief here in the Messiah. It's interesting they didn't make the connection. Even though the Messiah was to raise the dead, according to the Old Testament, they didn't make the connection. They connect him with the prophets. Because a one like Elijah was to come to introduce the Messiah. So they're thinking, maybe he's the prophet. A great prophet has arisen. God is going to visit us. And this report goes throughout Judea and the surrounding re region. What a story. What a marvelous story. Turn back to Matthew chapter 8. I looked at this whole story and I said, boy, there's a lot of us who need the touch of the Lord Jesus Christ 
We need to experience his power in our lives. We need to know that he cares, that he can do something about our situation. And I read in Matthew chapter 8, another situation where Jesus touched somebody and did something about him. A leper came to Jesus in chapter 8, verse 3, and Jesus put out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Because the question in my heart as I read that passage, what happens when Jesus touches you? In verse 14, Jesus came into Peter's house. He saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her. Look at chapter 9, verse 20. Chapter 9 of Matthew, verse 20. Suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. She was healed. Verse 29. Then he touched their eyes, blind men, and said, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. He touched them again. Look at chapter 14, please. Verse 36 of Matthew. Really interesting as you just walk through the Bible real quickly and see this. Here it says, they begged him that he might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Fascinating, isn't it? Chapter 17. Chapter 17, look at verse 5. He's on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. A bright cloud overshadowed them. A voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Verse 6, when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces, were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, arise, do not be afraid. Are you afraid of something? When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Look over to Mark 10. This is enough. Mark chapter 10 is just everywhere. Mark 10, 13. Then they brought young children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. The touch of Jesus Christ. That's David Hawking, and you're listening to Hope for Today. David will be back in just a moment to close us in prayer, so do stay with us. Just before that, Matt's here to tell us about a powerful book by David. I'm sure you've been hearing a lot of criticism of Israel on the news. And we here at Hope for Today want you to be prepared for accurate biblical responses to what you're already hearing. This month, we're offering you my dad's book, Israel Chosen by God. Many are looking at the events in the Middle East through the lens of recent history, but like most things, that's not the whole picture. Israel, chosen by God, takes you back to Israel's biblical beginnings as a direct revelation from God. They were destroyed and scattered by military invasions, persecuted and hated, just for being God's chosen people. It's an incredibly fascinating read that reminds all of us that God doesn't turn his back on his promises when the circumstances or when the world's opinion change. God remains the same yesterday, today, and forever, and so do his promises. My dad makes that abundantly clear in Israel Chosen by God. This month, you can get Israel Chosen by God for $15. 
It's a book you're going to be returning to again and again as world events continue to unfold. Well, thank you, Matt. Now, I'm going to give you our contact info in just a moment. Before that, I also want to mention another great book from our teacher, David Hawking, on the subject of Israel. You know, Fred, if you've ever wondered what all the contention and wrangling over Israel is all about, well, in significant part, it's about the land. And it's been that way, well, for centuries, according to the Bible. To learn more, pick up your copy of David's booklet, What the Bible Says About Israel and Its Land. This is a compact booklet, and it's just $5, but while this is powerful, you're going to find this so essential, so useful in understanding what's going on in Israel. You can get this by calling 875-BIBLE, and in Canada, 888-75-BIBLE. Hey, while you're at it, grab a copy of the book that Matt told us about, Israel Chosen by God, and it's just $15. You'll also find these two books along with all of David's teaching materials at our brand new website, davidhawking.org. Now, friend, if you'd like to send a financial gift to this radio ministry, uh, a donation that is beyond the cost of your resource purchase, our mailing address, Hope for Today, Box 3927, Tustin, California, 92781. In Canada at Box 15011, RPO 7 Oaks, Abbotsford, B.C., V2S 8P1. You can also reach us at our phone number, 875-BIBLE, and in Canada, 888-75-BIBLE. And a growing number of folks uh, find uh, donating online is handy. You can do that securely at davidhawking.org. Well, as promised, here's David to close us in prayer. Father in heaven, how we thank you for your great compassion and your concern. And I know, Lord, that there are many of us who really need your touch. There are some parents who need your touch desperately because they ache in their hearts over children that are not walking with the Lord. And there are some children who have an ache in their hearts here because their parents do not walk with the Lord. Father, I know that some of the greatest things that could transpire this day are for mothers to experience the touch of Jesus, for children to experience the touch of Jesus, to get right with you, Father, and to be restored completely, spiritually, emotionally, in every way to their families. Father, I pray for those that have special burdens here and thinking that no one really understands. God, I thank you that you care. There's nothing too small for us to bring to you. There's no situation in our life that you will not care about and deal with. God, we thank you for that. And I pray for those in our midst, Father, who have never come to know you as Savior. They're just as dead spiritually as this boy was physically, and they need your touch. They must believe what you have said in your word, that you died on the cross to pay for sin. It's all done. It's all been paid for. Is something you did, not what we do. And you've asked us to believe that and to believe that Jesus arose from the dead and that if we put our faith in him, we could know your touch and be made whole. We could have everlasting life and complete forgiveness. So God, I pray in this moment that you would touch many hearts and we would respond to your love and your compassion. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks, David. 
And friend, if you have a loved one who doesn't yet know the Lord Jesus or who was at one time following God, but they've walked away from that relationship, reach out to us at 875-BIBLE so that we can pray for that situation. In Canada, call us at 888-75-BIBLE. If you prayed with David just now to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, let us send you a free booklet by David called What is Christianity? and a free Bible study by mail. This is going to help you in your new journey with God. Again, our phone number, 875-BIBLE, and in Canada, call 888-75-BIBLE. Coming up next time, more from the Gospel of Luke, and we hope you'll join us then, right here on 